Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. Guys, got a great one today with the one and only Dr. Justine Lee. She is an emergency critical care specialist, one of my personal favorite lecturers. She is so practical and so useful. So I put her to the question because Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Hey, let's talk about uh, little dogs that eat things they shouldn't and then have vomiting and diarrhea. How aggressive are you with that? How conservative are you with that? What are your options? Let's make sure we're doing the best medicine that we can be doing and all our stuff's up to date. So without further ado, let's get Dr. Justine Lee in and see how she treats that. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame. With Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome back, Dr. Justine Lee. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. I always, I always enjoy it. I have got a, I got a quick case. Um, this is a classic, but every now and then it's good to run through the classics and make sure that we're not missing anything that I am doing gold standard of care uh, today as it was uh, years ago. So let's, let's, let me make sure I'm up to date and I got my bases covered. You ready? Ready. I have a four-year-old male neutered Yorkie named Lancelot. He is a, quite a character. As we got ready for the Thanksgiving holiday, Lancelot got loose from mom when her friends were over and into the big red cooler that was holding the honey-baked ham for dinner. They found Lancelot standing on top of the tinfoil and grazing on the ham itself. They uh, Just so you know, they saved the ham. They cut off the part that he ate. <laughs> and so the ham is okay other than the portion that Lancelot ate. But he did eat a, a hunk of hunk of ham. It's been about two days. Lancelot uh, on examination, he's got a painful belly. He's trembling which might just be Yorkie at the vet clinic but it might be something more uh, he's vomiting and he's having bloody diarrhea just walk through this case with me real fast uh, I want to make sure I'm going to nail it how, how do you treat that Dustin sure so you know we were just joking before whether or not to make it a schnauzer but I will say one of the top breeds that I end up seeing for pancreatitis of course during Thanksgiving and during Christmas time is actually the Yorkshire Terrier. A lot of people forget this is one of the top three breeds besides miniature schnauzers and Shetland sheepdogs that are really at risk for pancreatitis. And unfortunately, I see pretty severe pancreatitis in Yorkies. Now with pancreatitis, it can range from the mild case that goes home with sub-Q fluids and an injection of moropitant and some bland food to the life-threatening acute necrotizing pancreatitis that can be fatal. And I've seen the whole gamut. I will say most of them oftentimes need to be hospitalized for one to two days, depending on how severe it is. And I'm also going to just get on my soapbox and say, when in doubt, in this scenario, really important that we educate our pet owners as soon as their dog eats anything, if it, even if they don't think it's poisonous, it's always important to call the ASPC Animal Poison Control Center because simply inducing vomiting two days ago, as soon as they saw him standing on the cooler eating it, could have prevented the problem to yeah. begin with, right? So preventative medicine, again, so important. In this scenario, because the dog already ate it, I'm going to say the mainstay therapy is always just a handful of things. And I say this with a poison patient too. I joke when people ask me for advice, my answer is always, 
symptomatic supportive care, fluid therapy for perfusion and hydration, it's gastrointestinal support, it's analgesia, it's neurologic support, uh, cardiovascular support, and a couple of miscellaneous things. But I always joke that's my answer to vet med. So in this scenario, depending on what we find on, on physical exam, depending on how severe this dog's abdominal pain is, my general philosophy is treat each pet the way you would if it was your own pet. So mm-hmm. if you didn't get a veterinary discount, would you spend $1,000 in diagnostics or $1,000 on treatment? Mm-hmm. Focus it on treatment and work with the pet owner that way. So I would say definitely warranted um, appropriate to get a CBC, a chemistry, potentially an ultrasound, depending on how severe it is. Obviously, starting with some survey rads if you don't have ultrasound. If the owner has financial limitations, you can even consider doing a CPL or a canine pancreas specific lipase test if you don't have the ability to do, to do ultrasound, but really treating the symptoms. In this scenario, I oftentimes will use IV fluids. I don't care what kind of bag of fluids you reach for, saline. LRS, P-Lite, whatever's going to perfuse that patient. And provided that patient doesn't have cardiopulmonary disease, I usually use two and a half, three times maintenance. I know that that dog is probably pretty nauseous. So whatever your favorite antiemetic is, I use meropitant. Some type of analgesic. My go-to for visceral pain is buprenorphine. But obviously, we want to treat that dog signs of shock First, depending on how shocky they are. So I'm going to say fluid therapy, antiemetics, buprenorphine for pain control. I will say that I have moved away from using metronidazole for every bloody diarrhea case. Ooh, talk most to me more about time, that. Yeah, yeah. most of the time, uh, there have been a couple of recent studies that, that came out basically saying doesn't help decrease the severity of it too, too much. And most owners don't medicate this super bitter pill twice a day for the two to three weeks that they're supposed to. Right. So as part of antimicrobial stewardship, I'm going to advocate for a high fiber diet instead once the dog is is doing well enough to to take enteral feeding. Sometimes just probiotics will help. So honestly, I've moved away from using metronidazole in a lot of these cases. And really, again, just symptomatic supportive care, resting the gut. If I think it's a dog that is really severely affected, sometimes in the critical care ICU setting, I I may put in a nasogastric tube the following day so I can evacuate the gastric juices and potentially start enteral feeding. Um, But I think the biggest update with pancreatitis nowadays is years ago, we used to starve dogs, right? We Mm -hmm. wouldn't show them any food. We wouldn't let them smell food. Now what we've discovered is more of what we're doing with cats, which is once you control that nausea, it is okay to actually start potentially feeding these guys with a feeding tube. But the big mistake I see, vets like to feed too quickly. And my general philosophy is do not feed till all the homeostatic physiologic parameters are normal. If their blood pressure isn't normal, the heart rate's not normal, they don't have gut sounds, if they're still cold, if they're still nauseous, they do not get nutrition. You got to fix all that stuff first, and then we'll feed them later. Gotcha. Can you, um, and the answer may be no, but can you help me set expectations for the pet owners? Are there things in the diagnostics and the presenting examination that are going to help me say to them, look, we're probably going to need an ultrasound. You know what I mean? Uh, we're going to need an ultrasound. This is going to be a multi-day hospitalization. Is there anything like that that I can be looking at where I am to get some idea of severity? Obviously, I don't want to, I have, I mean, I, I've been practicing a dozen years. I have messed this up 
probably every way you can mess it up. I have sent him home too early. I have kept him too long. I have done all those things. Anything that I can look at early on to, to judge severity and try to set expectations for the clients. Great question. Without pulling the acute necrotizing pancreatitis paper, I can say, yes, there probably are some. Uh, clinically, I would say if it's a Yorkshire Terrier mm-hmm. or a dog with a lot of comorbidities, they have heart disease, they have diabetes, they're azotemic, they have acute kidney injury, they have signs of MODS, multi-organ dysfunction, their prognosis is probably worse. And I'm going to say clinically, if they have ascites, they have evidence of a really severe peritonitis um, that's causing some effusion. That's a patient I would really recommend referring for an ultrasound, referring for 24-hour care. Um, So for me, I'm going to say any concurrent comorbidity, any evidence of multi-organ dysfunction, any ascites would be big red flags where I would warn the owner that uh, the hospitalization is going to be longer, it's going to be more costly. With my multi-organ dysfunction, a lot of people think, eh, I never see mods in you know general practice. You do. Mm-hmm. If you see a bad parvo, you see a bad heat stroke, they're azotemic, you think it's pre-renal, they're vomiting, they're sloughing their gut, they have you know GI failure, they're slightly tachypnic, it could be lung failure, they're coagulopathic, that's you know, coag failure. So any kind of sign like that um, usually means it's it's pretty severe or it's leaning towards acute necrotizing pancreatitis. Gotcha. Any last pearls, words of wisdom on these types of cases? Anything that you see GPs miss or wish that we would, as a group, lean harder into? Yeah, I guess, you know, just what I mentioned before, don't blow off the Yorkshire Terrier. You know, yeah, definitely one of the top three breeds for pancreatitis. The second thing is don't spend all the money on diagnostics when they have financial limitations. Focus on, on that symptomatic supportive care. In full disclosure, I don't do a lot of CPLs except when an owner has financial limitations and can't afford a $500 ultrasound, right? You have to be careful interpreting it. If it's negative, I believe it rules out pancreatitis. But if it's positive, it could be GI lympho. It could be a GI foreign body. There's a lot of you know positives that I can see with, with CPLs. So just interpret it carefully. And when in doubt, appropriate pet owner education. Now is a great time for people to embrace the opportunity on social media to say, keep turkey fat, you know, the (laughs) string that goes around a turkey, uh, don't feed turkey bones or things like that. Um, So taking time to help educate your pet owners, especially those three breeds at risk, the Yorkshire Terrier, the Schnauzer, and the Shetland Sheepdog. Cool. Thanks, Justine. I always appreciate your insight. I really do. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. So fun to talk to you. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. As always, the nicest thing you can do if you did get something out of it, share it with your friends. Shoot them a text. Let them know about the podcast. Uh, Leave us an honest review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Those are the things that help other people know about the show. And that's really... um, that's really what I'm after is I, I just want these interviews to help people and, and make better doctors and better technicians out there in the world. So anyway, thanks for your help with that. Guys, take care. Be well. Enjoy your holidays coming up. Bye.